We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not, for generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McGeckron, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. Helping people create rock star level brands. That is what this episode's guest does. Chris is chief rock and roller at Rocket Growth Agency, a company that helps creative businesses succeed. I think you all will love Chris's story because it is about taking a creative brain, combining it with experience to formulate a model for success. I am pleased to share my conversation with Chris Vaglio. How does a rock star brand differ from just a successful brand? It's really just a mindset and a feeling of how to really put yourself out there, lean into those things that inherently make you who you are and to really leverage them and use them to the best of your ability to stand out, make a mark. You know, I always say, leave them wanting more. You know, it's all about what do people say about you when you leave the room? And that's ultimately when I talk about building a rock star brand, it's just getting into that mindset and really embracing the things about yourself that maybe you may think are weaknesses and they're actually not. They're probably your biggest strengths. You're just not utilizing them enough. And I spent part of my life being very, very heavily involved in the punk and hardcore scene here in in Northern Jersey. And, you know, if there's anything I learned from doing all that was to absolutely celebrate who you are. And no matter what you are, no matter who you are, no matter what you're into, like celebrate it, use it like it's who you are. And for me, when I say, you know, building a rock star band brand, it's about, you know, having that confidence to to believe in yourself, to do the things you want to do, to be happy the way you want to be happy, not the way others think that you should be happy. It's, it's really at the end of the day, it's all about not asking for permission at all to do the things you want to do. So in 2021, with the way that we interact with the world, because we're interacting more on a broader stage, it's much more competitive because there's so much out there. So I think that identifying what makes you unique and different is particularly important. But I also think that it's important to make sure that you are offering something that is valuable as opposed to just having this creative experience. I'm just going to be me. And if people don't like it too bad, uh, so that that's not going to work either. So it's kind of like this balance between finding what makes you different and special and putting that out there, but also making sure that, that it's something that is valuable to the people that you're getting it to. How do you think about the balance between the two? I love that you just asked this question because you are 100% right. My focus is working with creative professionals and helping them to basically run their business, to, to make a living doing the things that make them happy. And as you said, there is a ton of competition out there, and especially with anything you do online, it's it's a lot of noise. It's hard to cut through any of that to make any kind of a dent or impact. What I always tell everybody it's all about first focus who is the target audience who do you want to be doing business with right who are they how do they feel 
What is it that you do that you offer that they that they would want? How are you helping them? How are you serving them? You have to have that focus and clarity of who exactly you want to be doing business with, who you want to be in front of, who do you want to build as your audience. Once you have that clarity, then it's really then about taking the things that I'm talking about. I love to say it's like your superpowers, the things that are inherently part of you, the things that you we're all born with all the tools that we need to succeed in life. It's just a matter of tapping into them and using them. But when you have that focus and clarity, then you're aiming it at something. And I agree, you have to provide high value. There was a time when I did not like totally like lean into like all this like rock and metal and punk stuff for me. Uh, there was a time when I didn't talk about Star Wars because I thought it was unprofessional. And oh my gosh, people are going to think I'm like some kind of a weirdo or like, oh, like, oh, we're professional. We don't talk about Star Wars. We don't talk about Kiss or Van Halen. Like that's not what we do as professionals. And I didn't do that for a while because I thought that, okay, being professional means you don't talk about any of that stuff from nine to five or nine to six or whatever. You know, that's parts of you. You just, you know, you keep on the side and only your friends know that stuff or your family. And when it clicked for me that when I started kind of accidentally talking about that stuff, that's when it hit me of like, well, wait a second. I haven't been using any of this stuff and this stuff is actually you know, these are things that I enjoy and love, and they're actually working because what they do is they break the ice. You find common ground with people. And before you know it, yeah, I may be talking about the latest episode of The Mandalorian with somebody and we're, we're talking back and forth. But you know what? The end of that conversation, it's going to come back. We're going to be talking business at some point, even if it's two minutes. That's fine, because now we have found common ground. We found commonality. Um, you know, I always love to say people do business with people they like and trust. That's not my word. That's just kind of a golden rule that's out there. Yeah. So if you build that bond and the rapport and you're a genuine and authentic person, people will naturally want to do business with you because they trust you and you have something that they need. You're providing value in their life somehow, some way that they're going to want to use or refer you or help introduce you to the right people, which why it comes back to being very focused and very clear on who you want to be doing business with. Who's the audience that you're looking to grow? You had an experience in your past that sounds like it possibly could have pulled together these two ideas of being yourself and paying attention to what people are looking for. And that's when you were in the rock scene, you were in a band. And yeah. to me, that's, I've never been in a band, but it certainly sounds like that is being an expressing part of yourself, but you probably have to keep an eye on how people are responding to what you're putting out there. Talk to me about that. My parents raised me on a very steady diet of, of classic rock and Beatles and classic rock radio. I've been around it my whole life. I have a very young uncle. He exposed me then to like Kiss and Van Halen. And, you know, so I went from like Zeppelin and, and the Beatles and the Stones to like, then listening to like, whoa, what is this? You know, Rush and Van, like, whoa, this is so cool. Kiss, like, you know, seeing and hearing Kiss for the first time was like, wow, this is insane. Look at this. These guys have got makeup and the stage show. And like, it's just so much fun. You know, and being a little kid in the seventies, like that, the late, I mean, that was like, holy, that was everything. And all of that just laid an impression on me. Like, I want, like, oh my gosh, that would be so awesome. I'd love to be like Ace Fraley up there, like ripping solos and, and having people go nuts and just playing rock music and something I always wanted to do. Tell me about like what, 
Cause I never yeah. wanted to be that. So I'm curious, like, what were you thinking? I mean, what I was thinking was this is just the coolest thing ever. I mean, watching, you know, watching Ace Fraley and like Eddie Van Halen, who's like my guitar hero, like watching these these guys play and master these instruments and just and be so cool at it. And people are going nuts and but they're playing music and they're just doing things like creatively and I, just a whole thing. Like I wanted to be that. I wanted to play music. I wanted to be a rock star. I mean, that was, yeah, I mean, that's why you pretty much start bands to like do a couple things, which is, you know, in my case, it was, you know, I want to play music. I want to be a rock star and I want to meet girls. I mean, that's, that's, that's really what it comes down to. You know, you want to have a great time. You, It just looks amazing. All right. I'm going to ask you a weird question. Yeah. What do you think, Chris, if you were that, what were you, 10? during this period or something? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was even, I mean, I was, I'll tell you right now, I was born in 74. So I was, I was really young when All I was right. getting this like exposure. I want to know <laughs> that brain. What do you think it would be getting excited about if that kid was in the twenties? When like, there was no, there was rock and roll hadn't been invented yet. Right. And what do you think you would have been looking at? I mean, do you, do you think that, created something that yeah. wasn't there or what do you No, I think it was there. I mean, like I, and I've told you the story about like, even, you know, see, like my track is like music and film. No, 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 no. J -J Hold on. So my question is if you were a young kid in the twenties, in the 1920s, in the 1920s, right. It would probably would have been like, I mean, looking at like the swing and jazz and all that. I mean, that stuff was as rock and roll as you could get like back then fast, like, you know, people dancing, going nuts. I mean, that that was awesome. And then too, like the advent of like, you know, motion pictures was starting and, and young Hollywood and even like, you know, talkies like it's just, you know, th those things were, were all happening around that time. So I think I probably would have been blown away by that. Like, yeah. you know, you. Watch some of that old swing band stuff. And those guys are slamming, like slamming. Yeah. People are going nuts and dancing. Oh, it was so cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm always curious about what people would have been doing in previous times. Like we have all these guys that are sort of like, you know, computer nerds or techie nerds and maybe a coder. What did those people do back in the 20s before there were computers? Like what did they do for a living? I would probably what, what, and what they what did they get excited about? If I had a guess, it would probably have been like building things, um, you know, possibly some engineering. I mean, I always find that people who work in tech and coding do have a very high level of creativity, but also that very much engineering logical type of thing. So in a sense, they're still building. It's just they're using ones and zeros to build as opposed to like building like these amazing structures or like uh entertainment complex i mean you know you think about like what was being done then or just inventing new new products yeah you know when you think about the innovation that was happening then um amazing you know we had a we had a, a technology explosion back in the turn of the century you know between the automobile uh radio film and being able to do audio and film yeah you know, and then when tv came on in the um what was that the uh the forties and fifties is yep. when TV really came on. I mean, when you think about that, like I would probably have seen people like that being more involved in trying to push forth that sort of technology. I've been learning a bit about the whole transition to audio in movies, to talkies. Yeah. And it, 
it made me real because we think about movies as being actors and directors. Right. And it was an entire industry mm-hmm. with, you know, obviously that's what built Los Angeles. So there were all sorts of people with all sorts of skills. Right. Um, and some of them were creative mm-hmm. and some of them probably were not, you know, there's all this stuff that had to happen uh, to actually make a movie happen right. of all types many, of brains. Many, right. Many of the film techniques that you see now were invented then. I mean, nobody had done things before. You tried things for the first time. People built rigs and came up with ways of shooting. They, they invented lighting, uh, different lighting. I mean, this a gear, this equipment was being made then by people who were like, this is what I see. This doesn't exist. So I don't know, let's make it. Let's let's do this. Like, let's make this special effect happen. Like this did not exist. It was the first time. And those principles, those foundations are things that are now like you see in mo- you still see in modern cinema. I mean, th- those by people that invented them because they're like, oh, it's never been done f- before, uh, but we want to do it. So let's just do it. Let's make it up. I mean, it, it has to be done. <laughs> All right. So you get into being in bands or a mm-hmm. band. Uh, so band. tell me, t- <laughs> well, I'm sorry, was it plural? Yeah, it's plural. (laughs) (laughs) You're loving Kiss. You're loving seeing these rock stars. Yeah. Uh, And at some point you become a rock star, I suppose, in your own head. Uh, Tell me about what that was like. And but more importantly, I want to know what you looking back on it. What did that teach you? I, uh, I always wanted to start a band. I, I started learning how to play guitar probably in sixth grade. Uh, I started doing lessons. My biggest thing was I lacked the discipline needed to incredibly master the guitar, like my heroes. You know, I I played, I practiced, but I didn't put any the ten thousand required hours that like an Eddie Van Halen would have, who's a freak of nature anyway. But like, you know, just that that mastery of the instrument. So I got to a point where I was like, I can play, but I'm not like a virtuoso here or anything like that. But I, I wanted to be in bands. I wanted to start playing things. And I was listening to a ton of metal and, and hard rock. And I just could never like truly play those songs as much as I wanted to do covers and all that. And then I found punk and hardcore as I got a little bit older. I mean, I was always a fan of the Ramones and the Misfits, but like I then started digging deeper and I got involved in the culture of things. and. And what struck me most about that music was the aggression, the freedom of expression, just the freedom of being like, holy, you can be in a band and you don't have to rip an Eddie Van Halen type solo. Like you could actually make like really good music and um, some of it really aggressive, some of it actually very melodic, especially. And I felt like, wow, this is very accessible. Like I can definitely, I could play this. Like this is stuff I can absolutely play. And I don't have the pressure of being like some flashy guitar player to do this music. And, and I love the culture and I love the scene and I love the attitude of like, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to start a band. I'm going to make the music I want to, I'm going to, that I want to make. I'm going to sing about the things I want to sing about. Like this was the scene. And I just I fell head over heels in love with the with the whole thing and and just got fully immersed into it and started a band with my friends and it was terrible it was a terrible punk band but we had so much fun and that just 
led to like the creation of of many other bands and evolving as a musician and a songwriter and and learning a lot about doing it yourself you know when you're in a band and especially in those days like you learned to do so much with so little i mean everything was an opportunity to market and brand yourself everything was an opportunity to play music somewhere and you just did it you literally did it you figured out a way like yeah there were barriers but you're like all right i'll figure out a way if i'm gonna put out a record well we're gonna go we're gonna record it and then i will sit here and i will make the the demo tapes the high speed dubs and uh we'll make our own covers and just go to the whatever fedex kinkos and print them out and, and we would do you know c- cover cutting parties and and we're making cassettes because we're playing tomorrow like we made our own t-shirts you made your own stickers and buttons and uh you know our mailing you know, at the time yeah email was was a you know was aol im and email <laughs> so this is going back to the 90s so you know there's the the notebook put your email for whatever reason and then sit there and then manually enter it everybody's email after the show and i mean everything was just completely like as grassroots as grassroots could be and it was amazing and i learned there were so many takeaways i had from that experience but one of those things i definitely learned was you know there's really nothing that that can stop you from doing the things you want to do there really isn't we make our own barriers um and yes there's challenges there's things like that but there's a way around it there's always another way of thinking about how to do it so don't let don't get defeated like if you truly want to do something like do it there is a way to figure it out it's not going to happen overnight it may take a few steps but you can do it you can make these things happen uh and you just i learned how to like get very like take the creativity inside of me and like not just make music, but also how to market ourselves, you know, like total DIY grassroots marketing. I mean, that was, that was huge. I mean, it really was. And that's the stuff that when I started my professional businesses, like I carried that with me. Yeah. This is so exciting to me to hear you say this. So you took this creative brain and this creative energy that you thought was about playing the guitar and performing in a band and you extended that into all these other things. Yeah. And why do you think you were able to do that? A lot of people can't do that. A lot of people will get in a band and they will, eh, we're not getting the results. We're not getting the fans. Eh, it's a failure. It yeah. sounds like what you did, you had a different attitude, which was, whatever it takes. I don't know how to do this. I will learn it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. I will figure it out. And then I will learn how to do that. Right. Is that something that is part of Chris? Or why do you think you were able to do that? Because it sounds like that whole attitude is what has brought you to where you are today. Because now you're able to, this is the value that you're bringing to your clients. Right. I, I would say that for to answer your question is, you know, I think it's twofold, right? I think that inherently, like I said at the top, like everybody's born with all the tools they need to succeed. It's just a matter of how you use them and how you tap into them and how you realize them. For me, I would say, yes, there's definitely a part of me that just, I don't know, I just do things like I, I, I just don't not that I don't think twice about things I understand, but like, I just am like, Hey, I want to do this and I'm going to figure it out. 
But there's also another part of this, which I think is very important. And it's also who you surround yourself with. It's the community, right? And being able to learn, get motivated, inspire, ask questions. Like when you have a community of folks around you who are like-minded and everybody's kind of pushing for the same thing, you know, we're, we're playing with other bands. Like we're helping each other out. Like we helped each other out like, Oh, Hey, so uh, this band that's got a pretty decent following, like we're friends with those guys. And they're like, Hey, we got a show. They said we could bring a couple other bands with us. So we're going to choose you and another band. Oh, cool. And then you return to favor. Like when you get a show. And so you're just constantly trying to help each other out to get it because you like each other. You want to be around each other. And it's that like-mindedness. And that is where too, like you be able to learn and grow and you know try things and you exchange information so but once again you have to be you have to be ready to accept that you have to be ready to take the steps necessary to do that and and honestly fear is a thing that like prevents people from doing a lot of the things they want to do it's a strong it's a very real emotion 100 percent um for whatever reason everybody deals with fear you know it's an individual thing so everybody deals with it in their own way not that i don't get fearful i absolutely get fearful of things you know new things like but if that's the thing i have to break through to get to that next level well then i've got to learn how to really overcome it if i want to do the things that are make me happy so it all comes back to what are the things that make you happy in life if that's what these things whatever it is like it doesn't matter like what makes you personally happy so nothing should stand in your way of getting to the happiness that you want. Whatever happiness is for you, it's, and it's for you, not what others want. It's what you want, and that's the thing. And that's how I that's how I look at things. That's my view of the world. <laughs> uh, so you brought up two things that are things that come up all the time on the Eager to Know podcast, and that is the concept of community, or as I like to say, staying connected with others that are like you, and the concept of fear. So the I'm going to talk about the community one because I think that you know humans are we're like social or hardwired yeah. to be social even if you're an introvert and you are influenced by other people. Um and I think being aligned and being alongside people that are similar to you but also a little bit different is really powerful. When I moved to Chicago, well, when I was in Boston, I was an artist, but I didn't know a single artist. I didn't know anyone. And I was just in my studio every day working by myself. And then when I moved to Chicago, one of the first things I said was I need to meet other artists immediately. I need to find other people because I know in the in doing other things in the past that were successful, I knew that being connected with others is really important. So I did a variety of things to get myself connected with other artists, including starting a podcast, which was very, which was very effective in getting me connected with other artists and other creative people. But I think that is uh, super, super important is uh, because we are so influenced by other people. I mean, if you look at recovery, people recovering from drugs and alcohol, you know, people that have abused, abusing and addicted to drugs and alcohol for 20 years are able to not do that anymore. And a big part of this is because they're connected with other people. I mean, how powerful, that's an example of how powerful this exactly. is. Yeah. You, you just, you, you, when you're with like-minded people, you just have a natural inclination to want to help each other and raise each other up. And it's not, and it's not like, 
just yesing people or anything like that. It's just it's the shared commonality and the the will to want to strive to get better and bring everybody with you. Correct. But the other thing is, it is just make sure because you are affected by other people, uh, you need to be careful who you uh, hang out with. Well, there's that too, <laughs> because that's another, and that's another whole podcast, but, that is. uh, that people is. can, uh, people can definitely, al- can potentially limit you. So the yeah. other thing that you mentioned was fear. Now, when I first started this podcast, uh, this was one of the first things that started coming up all the time with all of my initial, uh, guests was this idea that people being fair people being afraid of really being laughed at trying something new and people thinking that they're are judging them and this seems to be something that is pretty common with ultimately it oh this kept this kept coming up um and one of the things that i realized was that uh, obviously this is a common human trait Mm-hmm. But it's even common to people that are extremely successful. So people that are extremely successful don't necessarily, it's not that they don't feel this fear, but mm-hmm. they figure out a way to manage it or to work through it or become comfortable with failure. Right. Right. And I, and I, and I agree with that because I think that, and that's something I have learned personally. It's something I've learned from watching others. It's something I've learned from reading. You know, when you read books like Think and Grow Rich, which is the first business life, whatever you want to call it. It's the first book I ever read where it was that deep exploration of what makes people successful. And it is a fascinating read. And if you don't read, get the audio version because it's, it's, just wonderful. It's by Napoleon Hill. It was written back in the 20s. And uh, and it basically chronicles uh, 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 Carnegie and, and Thomas Edison. And, you know, he just spent time. He spent years and years and years studying them to find out what made them successful. And a lot of these topics that we talk, that we've been talking about come up a lot on there. And I think that when it becomes, when it, let's, you know, bring it back to fear, Listen, fear is a strong motivator. It's it's something that we as human beings, it's it's a it's something that's built into us. We we have fear built into us. It's supposed to be a, a defense mechanism. It's a it's a protection for us to say, uh oh, you know, like we should get out. But you know, but we have to control it. Like we're still in control of our own body and our own minds, and we have to learn to control it. And we assess the assess the situation. You know, is it life threatening? Is there a potential for harm or damage, you know, or is it just something that's like, it's, it's a belief that, well, if I do this thing, I'm going to be laughed at. And it's like, but really is, is, am I really going to be laughed at? Or is that just me thinking that? And that's, and that's, and it's hard to overcome some of those things the first time you deal with them. But for me personally, I feel like everybody's got their own way of dealing with it. I have a little process I go through to try to overcome that or at least get it to a point where I could push it down so I could step over it. You know, like it's like a doormat, like let me push it down so I can actually step over it and now get to where I want to go and not look behind me and like, you know, like it's there, but I can temper it enough to like get what I want to do and then make it go. See, Chris, this wasn't so bad. Like you did it and nobody laughed at you or you, you, you just did this, you know? And so I think the other thing I always love to talk about is like this perception of failure in the sense that like, you know, and you as an engineer, you'll, you'll know, like failure really 
is about like this mechanical thing failed. It was a it was a technical failure of this machine or this this build whatever it is. That's a failure, you know. Whereas, listen, anybody trying to do anything creative, or whatever it is, it doesn't even it doesn't even have to be business. The fact that you went and you did something like that shouldn't be looked at as failure. It needs to be looked at as positive. Like, what did I learn from this? What did I gain? Like, that's how we have to begin to look at it rather than saying like. Well, I started a business and it flopped in two years. Well, okay, maybe it didn't have the desired outcome. You didn't get to where you wanted to be. But let's put that aside. What did you learn? What was learned? What was gained? Because I'll guarantee there's no way that you went through that experience and didn't learn or gain something. And that's the part that should be really celebrated. I completely agree. <laughs> I mean, it's it's true. It's so true. But it's but it's hard. Uh, it's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. It's so because it's like pulling your ego out of it. The way I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I try to do is I try to use the science. I approach things as like the scientific method, where yeah. <laughs> you know if I'm going to try something new, I'll be like, all right. So I'm assuming this. Right. So I'm going, you know, I'm a smart guy. I have experience. And I, based on all of those brains and experience, I'm assuming that this will be successful. So it's like a little Petri dish. I'm doing mm -hmm. a test. Yes. And then I do it. And then I see whether what the results were. So right. thinking about it in that way, you know, pulls your ego out of it a yes. little bit. Now, of course, with what I do and what you do, we're very creative. So what you're doing, it's a little, it's a little different than putting something in a Petri dish. You're right. actually it, with creativity. It's something that's coming from you and sure. it is an extension of you. So it makes it a little bit more tricky, but yeah. I just thought I would share that. No. And I, I think that's an interesting way to look at it too, because that's the thing is I don't want people to misunderstand what I'm saying here in the sense of like, you know, I don't want to come off as some like toxic, positive guy like, oh, just do it. And don't worry about that. Like, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying is like what I'm saying is, listen, don't let fear limit you in what you're doing. But absolutely, as you're doing things like once again, bringing it back to what I said at the top, like focus, who's the audience? Who do you want to be doing business with? Measure, look at data. You know, what are you learning along the way? Don't just go through it with blinders on. Like, you really have to take notice. And like you asked before, like, you said it uh, as a band, like, you have to be aware of your audience and things. Yeah, we did. I mean, as much as we're like, you know, screw that, we're going to go, we're going to make our own music. Like, you know, we wanted to get better. We were like, okay, well, this song sucks. Nobody liked this. We don't even like it. The crowd didn't like it. So guess what? We're not going to probably play that song anymore because it just isn't a good song. Like, it's fine. It's over. Like we did it. We created it. it. Wasn't great. We'll write a new song. You know, like it's it's that's what you do. And you see, oh, hey, the audience really likes these songs, and we really enjoy playing them. So let's. This is our set. You know, it's that's how you have to be mindful of of that stuff. I mean, we still want to get more shows. I want to sell records. We want to sell shirts. Like, you know, if we were a terrible, crappy band, like none of that stuff would happen. And believe me, I was in some pretty bad bands, but. <laughs> You know what? They were fun. They lasted and they fizzled out. And then I started a new band with maybe some of those same people. And we learned and we made better music like that's, you know, that's all you're ever doing in life. Right. Our lives, our lives are just one experience after another. And then what did we learn? And so I think for us, like the biggest thing that we should all all be doing is, you know, you have to do things and look at it. What did I learn? What did I gain? Um, and now how can I apply it to 
the next thing I'm going to do or whatever it is. And once again, this isn't just about business. Okay. This is about anything that you do in your life. Now, my main thing is like, yes, I work with business owners. I work with creative professionals who are looking to turn their business, looking to, to make money doing what they love doing. But really what we're, you and I have been talking about this whole time. This is, this can apply to really anything in your life, whatever you want to be doing. Chris, this was, this was awesome. You know, you and I had like a pre-call where we sort of mapped out what we thought we were going to talk about. And uh, I don't think we really covered half the things we said we were going to cover, but I think that, I think this was great. No, this, this was a lot of fun. I, I could, uh, I feel like we could go on talking about, about all these things for like another two hours. We'll bore the heck out of your listeners, but, uh, but yeah, this, this was absolutely great. And I, I really appreciate you having me on thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. It, uh, one other comment. I love that you mentioned that book uh, where someone was looking at uh, people that had been successful in the past and sort of bubbled up some of the highlights. I love the fact that you said that was written in the twenties. It was. That makes me so happy because that means that these are principles that are like core to who we are. And it's not influenced by modern technology and all this ridiculous, uh, all this ridiculous technology that we're currently taking advantage of in this actual moment. But you know what I mean? Like stuff, yeah. stuff from the past like that. Uh, I think it's great. It's kind of like when I, I, I'm a huge cook and I have friends that uh, are always asking me to recommend cookbooks for them to learn. And mm -hmm. I tell them, you want to find a cookbook from the 50s, an American cookbook, before there was fancy ingredients, before yes. there was all of this stuff. And that is how you learn how to cook, is you start with the basics. So yes. hearing a self-help book uh, from the 20s, love that. Well, Chris, thank you again for hanging out with me today. It's always awesome talking to you. And uh, people are interested in your services, where would they go? Sure. Uh, I am very easy to find everywhere, but uh, you can head over to my website, which is Rock It Growth Agency. That's Rock It as an IT, R-O-C-K-I-T, growthagency.com. Another easy, easy peasy way to get a hold of me is to text the words, let's rock to 88500. So let's rock no spaces to 88500 and you'll get connected with me right away. You'll get access to links and you'll get all my contact info. So that's another very easy way to uh, reach out. Okay, great. Thanks again. My name is Ricky McGeckrin and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast.